0: Ice cream? Do you ever look at ice cream flavors and wonder, how the hell did someone come up with this? How does it taste so damn good? How do they do it? Welcome to Let's Spoon Podcast, where we chat with ice cream makers and get the scoop on the stories behind the ice cream. Come cuddle up and spoon with your hosts, Stephanie Della Cruz from Della Cremare, and myself, Brooke Shapiro, aka Sunday's mom, and let's dig in and chat all things ice cream. So, Today for Let's In Podcast, we are actually going to be interviewing my co-host, our co-host, <laughs> Stephanie Della Cruz of Della Creamery and telling her story of how she started and where she is today. So thanks, Stephanie, for opening up to everyone.
1: I'm really excited for the show. We've had a few listeners like message me on the side who are just curious on like what Like What what do I do? What's Della Creamery? And uh, this is a really special episode for me because me and Brooke met before Della Creamery was born. We've talked a lot about my business and the growth and expansion and what's been going on with that. So this is just overall like a really, uh, it's honestly been a huge bonding experience for me and Brooke throughout this process. So I'm really, really excited to have this opportunity to share with our listeners what's going on in in my world and what I'm about and give a little deeper dive into what is Mexican ice cream?
0: What makes ice cream Mexican ice cream versus regular ice cream?
1: I'll start by saying that in 2019, um, my partner gave me an ice cream machine for Christmas, and I was honestly like, "Why did you get me an ice cream machine? Um, I've never made ice cream before. I didn't really want this." And he was like, "What do you mean? Like you love ice cream?" And duh, like I I do. I love eating ice cream. It's like my favorite uh, social thing to do. Um, if I can go anywhere and there's an ice cream shop around, like I'm going to be there, I'm going to try it. Um, so I started making ice cream before the pandemic. And then when the pandemic hit, I needed something to do. Um, so I started making ice cream, uh, like actively during the lockdown, um, and it was honestly like the best ice cream I've ever had like the first flavor was just basic vanilla and I didn't know like ice cream was supposed to be that good um, so it was like so cool just to say like I made that and actually the first one that I made was the vanilla and I didn't even let it freeze like I let it freeze for like a few hours and then I was just like so anxious. I just like had to have it. So I was eating like hardly melted ice cream and it was still like so exciting and so good. My sister is a chef and she has always told me how much she loved making ice cream, but I called her freaking out so many times asking, how do you make ice cream? Because it's a very sensitive thing. You can burn it. You can overcook it um, pretty quickly. So um, I made ice cream, had been making ice cream throughout the pandemic. And then During about, uh, I would say like May or June of 2020, I decided that I wanted to make horchata ice cream, which is a very popular Mexican drink. Most people just make it with cinnamon and rice. Like those are the basics. And I decided I wanted to make this flavor specifically because like I wanted that flavor and I had never seen that. And even till this day, like it's hard to find most of the time it's a seasonal flavor made like very rarely and it doesn't stick around. And I know why it doesn't stick around now. It's a, it's an extensive process. Wait, but why I, does it not stick around? Is it? Because it's hard it- to make. It, oh, really? It, yeah. It's a very messy uh, process. <laughs> and for me, um, my process takes multiple days. Um, so I think that a lot of people like they just don't want to hassle with it. So I started making horchata ice cream and it took me months and months and months to figure out like how to do this. And I kept feeding Craig like this horchata ice cream that was like terrible. And I was like, it's good. Right. And he's like, no stuff like this is awful. So (laughs) I kept going back and forth and back and forth. And finally around like the eighth time I had something that was like good. And it was just back and forth, like figuring out how to do this. And I made this ice cream and I was like, oh, my God, I, I have something like I have something that's really special to me. And it, it made me feel like. I made something like powerful because I've never I've never ate or the ice cream. Like I said, I've seen it a few times, um, mostly like on the Internet, but like not in person, I would have ordered it. And then after that, I decided to to make the Mexican hot chocolate, which is like a super beloved flavor. Like in my household growing up, we always had Mexican chocolate to make. I made that one as like a tribute to really like my life. Like I have so many memories tied to drinking Mexican chocolate with my family. So that was kind of like the yin to the yang of the horchata. Like it's, it's a perfect double scoop. That one, thankfully, was a lot easier to make. So I had like two flavors ready to go in like four months, maybe even less. I made 12 pints of ice cream. For my friends and family back home, my parents actually came to visit from SoCal and I told them to bring an ice chest and I stuffed it with dry ice. I made 12 pints of half horchata and half Mexican chocolate. And I sent them back home to SoCal and all my friends and family picked up from my parents' house. And I asked everyone, like, what do you think of this ice cream? What do you think of the flavors? And I like very strategically like labeled them and like knew who was getting what batch. Like, I was waking up at like six in the morning to like finish churning at like three in the morning because that machine, like, you have to refreeze it and like everything just takes forever. And like, I'm barely learning how to make ice cream. So I don't know how to scale and I don't know, you know, I have like one pot that like I also make like my pasta roni in. And like, it's just like all the same household stuff, you know. One of my friends actually cried when she had the Mexican chocolate saying, like, It brought back so many nostalgic um feelings and just like thoughts of her grandfather and when he had a Mexican bakery and just like all of these feelings and that's when I knew like oh my gosh I have something um and somewhere in that timeline me and you met and you told me about a renaissance center which I'll get into but let me stop for a second and ask do you have any questions (laughs)
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, Stephanie. There's, I didn't know the story of you sharing it with all your friends and family and the fact that you gave your parents the ice chest. Cause that they must have driven so SoCal's what like eight hour drive.
1: Yeah.
0: That's a long time to be driving with some ice cream, not
1: melting. So, Oh my gosh, this story gets more in depth. They came back a second time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just for the ice cream. No, they came to visit, um, but at that time, I cleared out our freezer, and I took custom orders for wow. my friends and family, and said, who wants what flavor, and I made, I, I still have the notes in my phone, because sometimes I like to look back at them and kind of laugh, but I did any flavor that anyone wants, and I made them, I did uh, 30 pints, Wow! and I did all of these custom flavors, and I said, whoever wants these Mom and dad are bringing them home. Um, they'll be there for you. And I made, I think like 12 different flavors. But at that time I had my like professional machine, which, oh my God, the cookie boxes. Like I sold cookie boxes during Christmas to pay for an ice cream machine because I couldn't afford it. Um, the story is so, it this keeps evolving. It's okay. Let's so back,
0: Let's talk back about timeline. So what yeah. time did you give your first pint? Of the to your parents the first time they went back to SoCal? That was June of 2020. That was June of 2020.
1: No, no, sorry. That was October of 2020. I started recipes June of 2020. October 2020, I sent home pints for the first time. Okay. And then so I knew I wanted to start an ice cream business by October, but at that time I had no job. I was on unemployment we were still like, you know, Delta was about to hit, um, like COVID was about to explode during the holidays. Yeah. So we had decided we weren't going home for Christmas. Um, I have a tiny apartment that we live in here in Oakland. Um, I usually, uh, bake all the cookies for my family's holiday. Mm. So I, Told them I wasn't going home, and everyone's like, "Well, what the hell are we going to do about cookies? Like, <laughs> we need cookies." So my cousin actually was like, "Hey, like, what? If, what if I like paid for you to ship me cookies for Christmas?" Yeah. So I was like, "Okay, like, this could be fun." So I ended up coming up with me and Craig did this together. We put together a menu of eight cookies, all from different categories: fruity, chocolate, nuts. Um, a little bit like different, like an experimental cookie, one candy. So we have eight different cookies and I posted on Instagram that I was selling our holiday cookie boxes um, during the whole month of December. And we turned our, our apartment into just like a cookie making factory. I mean, we had like 50 pound bags of flour and sugar just like in our apartment, like ready to go. I was making cookies just like nonstop. I have a KitchenAid mixer and like, it was just too small to like make these batches that I needed. Um, because I posted it on Instagram and that was like the first time that like people in the community started reaching out that they wanted to buy these cookie boxes and, like they were just like strangers like I don't even know who they were but the whole goal of these cookie boxes was to use the profit to buy an ice cream machine which no one knew at the time because I didn't know if I was ever going to get that goal so I didn't talk about it like I didn't say this is what it's for um so I'm like selling these cookie boxes and we literally baked until um Christmas Eve and we did it again, like the week of new year's, which was like just nonstop going. Um, so I didn't have enough money because we had no idea how to calculate uh, profits from this. So after Christmas, I worked my ass off and still didn't have the $1,200 to buy this machine. Like I said, I was going to use all this money towards the machine. And I only had like, seriously, I had like I think $600. Like it was nothing from these cookie boxes. (laughs) Um, and that's when my brand was under the name. What's Bubby cooking. Um, before Della Creamery, my page was called what's Bubby cooking. Um, I
0: was going to ask when did that, so, okay, let me just back up on timelines. That's okay. Yeah. So October, 2020, you just gave some ice cream to your family and friends. Mm -hmm. And then in December, like Christmas timing, you're like, okay, I'm going to sell cookies to pay for like a bigger ice cream machine. Yeah. And then when did you start your Instagram of what's Bubby cooking? Like it must have been between the October ice cream drop
1: and. the. So what's Bubby cooking was actually the first step in all of this. I started the page because when we went into quarantine, I've always liked to cook and for people to like eat what I make. Like I'm a very, uh, that's like very much my inner Mexican is like, I want to feed everyone. Um, my I've always cooked for my roommates. I've always cooked for my partner. Like I just like to cook and I like to do different things. And I'm very close with my sister, Danielle, who's the chef, because like, I'm always asking her to help me like figure out recipes and like processes and stuff like that. So I started what's Bubby cooking in, uh, I think June, June was my, June, 2020 was my first post. And at that time I had like, from the start of the pandemic, like March of like backlog, like things that I've made. So like I was making breads and cakes and pasta, like all from scratch, like all of these things were just like starting so my aunt actually told me like, hey, can, because we were calling each other a lot during the pandemic, me and my aunt, and she had asked like, what are you making now? And she was like, listen, I can't keep up with what you're making. So can you start an Instagram page for this? Because like, that's the best way for me to track what you're making. And the name What's Bubby Cooking, um, Bubby Bub um, is my family name. Um, Everyone has always called me Bub. So coming up with the name What's Bubby Cooking was like very direct and like straightforward. So I was making all of these things, posting it on Instagram. And then I was slowly making ice cream at the same time, like, you know, Every other week was ice cream. And then I started documenting like this horchata process. I've made it eight times. And then people were like, oh my God, you're really determined on figuring out like how to make horchata ice cream. Um, And then I did the Mexican chocolate and people are like, oh my God, you're making people. I'm talking about like the eight like friends and family of mine that were watching this, you know, like it it was like 10, like maybe I have a lot of cousins. So like they were asking, but like that's kind of like where it started. Um, right. I mean, it starts with your family. Every
0: business I feel like is how it all starts. And like, yes, you come from, uh, you know, if you have four siblings or you're one of four, right? I'm, I'm number five. Oh, um, number
1: five. Sorry. I have four older sisters on one side of my family. I have 19 first cousins on my mom's side of the family. And then I think 13 first cousins on the Dela Cruz side of the family. Um, we have a big family, like, of course, we're Mexican, like it's, it's serious, you know, and I'm actually the only one in the Bay area. Everyone else is in SoCal. So like, we're really active on social media because everyone's like, Hey, like, what are you up to? Like, especially cause of COVID, like they're not seeing me often. So everyone's like, what are you up to? Are you okay? Like, <laughs> how's it going? Um, so okay, so now we're kind of caught up, right?
0: Well, I was gonna say the big thing I think for everyone to know about your story is like also like you were in the hospitality business, so like that, yes, that shut down probably March first. That was like yeah.
1: So yeah, so my background is my first background is in audio engineering. Um, I have my degree in audio engineering, um, and with that, I started working events in hotels. Um, and also events otherwise. I worked for events and radios, um, events for concerts, and then um, most of my time has been in hotel events. Um, so I've worked in hospitality for like seven years. And with that work becomes a lot of focus on, you don't realize, but like a lot of that focus has played into what it means to be an entrepreneur. Um, I've always taken a lot of pride in my work and having a good connection with my clients. So when it, when it came to running my business, like it's very natural for me. Um, As you can tell, I I can talk a lot and I can, (laughs) I can relate to people. And uh, I think that's part of the reason why this podcast has been like very easy for me is because I, have also had my own radio show. Not bragging, but back in my audio days, um, you know, all of this stuff really ties into how I was able to make this happen.
0: Yeah, and I think the hospitality piece of like, like my—I'll be honest, like for me, like I don't like hospitality piece. <laughs> like I think that's really hard to make. Like either trying to make everyone happy and not happy, and so you know, having a business, having the hospitality of knowing. Okay, if something didn't work out, here's a solution, or here's what we could do. Or for you, like doing your pop ups, like that, you know, probably came a little more second nature because you're used to being, you know, at the hotel and having events and all that. Um, But like for someone like me, like I get really exhausted every time I do an event, frankly, um, because there's all that logistics and planning and all that that goes into it. So.
1: Yeah. And for me too, like, I guess I should also mention, like I used to work at giant stadium working um, 42,000 people in crowds. Like I've worked in very large high crowds. Um, I've also worked in both operations and also sales. So um, my time has been very split between the two. So I'm I I feel very lucky I've been able to see the perspective of, like, how does an event come to life and how do you make things work? Um, And my job experience has really, really helped me along that way. Um, I can imagine the struggles that other entrepreneurs go through if they haven't had these kind of experiences. And, you know, working in San Francisco, we have huge um, events that happen here. And I've been part of those uh, just extreme they're they're nuts they're my last event actually before COVID had happened was like eight it was like 80,000 people at the Moscone Center so I was dealing with the overflow um and just in and out we had like 10,000 people a day and I had to manage all of them and that's like right before COVID hit but as soon as COVID hit all of us were basically let go because it was just like people were canceling people were canceling before COVID uh before like before lockdown, like we knew that it was going to be a really big hit in the hospitality industry. So it I pretty much knew that I had to find something to do because it was going to be a really long time until um the tourism industry comes back and you know we're still it's still not there. Totally.
0: Or it's like a shifted right instead of hotels or you know it's more virtual or however. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get Sorry, we took a little derail. You can edit it, stuff however you want. <laughs> um, so you you started um, making your cookies to pay for an ice cream machine. That mm-hmm. was December, January, twenty twenty. Yeah, which is where I think I honestly started following you, seeing you popping up through other people sharing your cookie business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know we honestly connected with like Alex's ice cream or something. Like
1: I think you, yes, I won an Alex's ice cream, um, giveaway. And I think I, they probably posted me or I posted it and that's, you had just tried Alex's ice cream for the first time and I received my, uh, giveaway prize.
0: Yeah. And so I think I saw you won. I was like, Oh, what do you think of it? Cause I had it. Um, right is how we ended up connecting.
1: Yes. We bonded over ice cream. We bonded over Alex's ice cream, which is a really, I mean, that's awesome. So thank you, Alex. If you're ever listening, you made this friendship spark. Totally. And at that
0: time, and then I, I was like, I love ice cream. I just like eating it. Frankly, like I had this, I was told actually by St- Sydney from Bad Walters. Cause I was like, I don't really love making ice cream. Like I just like eating it. I'm doing like, I can review it and talk about it, but like, what is there? And, and Sydney was actually like, well, there's no ice cream podcast out there. Like, I don't have time to do it with me, but like, maybe you want to get, you know, start an ice cream podcast. And, and I was like, well, I don't even, I don't, I honestly didn't listen to podcasts. So I was like, I don't even know where to start. And I was like, I don't want to do this alone. And so I think I like reached out to you and was like, hey, do you want to start an ice cream podcast? Like you obviously like ice cream because you're posting about it. You won Alex's ice cream. Like what? Like and I and you're like yeah. And I was like shocked.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember that conversation, and I remember like kind of laughing and being like, the one thing you had told me is like, hey, the only thing is like, I have no idea how to edit podcasts, and I was like, I do. Like <laughs> it was like. For yes. whatever reason, I was able to like put in that last key into the, the project. And that was really when um we had something. And like I remember me and you had our first conversation, and it was like it was so easy for us to talk to each other. And like that's when I knew for sure like we were able to do this because we just have really great chemistry back and forth. And it was very clear that we were able to bounce off of each other and like have something to work off of.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think at that time you were sort of transforming. I don't want to give away your story from what's Bubby cooking. And you were like, I want to start an ice cream business. I, you know, I don't really know what to call it. And like, yeah, my background's marketing. And so you are like, do you have any, uh, you know, here's some ideas I'm thinking. Yeah um and you know for me as like an entrepreneur spirit you know i don't necessarily w- want to have an ice cream shop and make ice cream i was like excited about having a friend that's on this journey and being a cheerleader for you on your journey and you know bouncing the ideas is just like really fun right like especially for me because i have no skin in the game like i i'm happy to share ideas like um and for you it's probably really scary sometimes being an entrepreneur and getting all this feedback from people too yeah. So part of that,
1: I remember I had a list and you were, you were aware that I was trying to start an ice cream business and we had talked about it and we were sitting, having coffee at Phil's coffee. And um, I had a list and I told you like, these were the ideas I had and I, I still, I saved the list cause it's like part of my journey. And you know, it, I was very hesitant to naming my brand after, my family name. um, And for those who don't know, my last name is Dela Cruz. So Dela Creamery um, was always a top contender, but it was, I was unsure of, you know, how much I wanted this to be related to my name. And you were the person who told me like, no, it has to be that. Um, You were very like persistent on it being that because you knew like that's part of that's part of what you're building. And, you know, for me, my last name has always been uh, like, I'm very proud of my last name. Um, part of my journey is that, uh, embracing my culture is just very serious to me. I've always said, if I get married, I'm keeping my last name. Um, It's always just, I think it's beautiful. I think it's always just been a sense of joy to me. Um, There's also, I don't have any brothers. Uh, I don't have a lot of male cousins. Um, The last name Dela Cruz is eventually not going to have a long lifeline in our family. So for me, this was kind of my extension of keeping the name alive in a different way.
0: Yeah. And I think it was also, you know, you were showing me like designs that your partner made for you with your last name and what the graphics could look like. And like, there are so many ways you could play with it and connect back to your culture that a lot of names wouldn't have been able to do for you. And I think it's really beautiful how it all has come together. Um, And it's really your Mexican ice cream is like what really, you know, makes you, you which I think goes back to the question I still am trying to figure out. So what is Mexican ice cream? Is there like something about the recipe? Like you said, you get recipes from your sister or is there just the flavoring? Like what defines Mexican ice cream?
1: Yeah. So in Mexico, um, ice cream is really popular. Um, It's obviously super hot in Mexico. So making ice cream is like it's really embedded in the food there. Um, and to be honest with you, I haven't been to, I've only been to Mexico once. Um, my family is mostly from California, um, which is a whole nother part of my uh, self-discovery. Almost all of my life, um, whenever we would go and buy a carne my family's from LA, so we would travel to LA to go get like the best carnitasada for like all of our barbecues and stuff.
0: What's carnitasada? Is that like meat? Or- oh my
1: gosh, yeah, yeah, it's like the best meat. It's like, <laughs> it, it's beef, but like it's marinated, um, usually with like citrus and onions, and then you just throw it on the grill and like you make tacos with it. It's like the most popular taco meat. Um, so we like we would always go like we have certain markets we like to buy our marinated carnitasada from. And we would always go and get ice cream at the same time, but like it would always be paletas, which are just like the frozen popsicles. Um, But you can find some of these flavors. uh, They're like cross flavors that like I make and like what's offered in that uh, form. So when it comes to like Mexican ice cream for me, uh, it's my flavors that I make that make them Mexican. And I try uh, my best to use like ingredients that are also from Mexico. My chocolate's from Mexico. My cinnamon's from Mexico. Um, Some of the snacks that I use are from Mexico. The Concito ice cream that I make, those are, it's a snack from Mexico that I add to the ice cream. Um, So these are flavors that are popular in Mexico, made in Mexico, products that are from Mexico.
0: And what's cool is like you're supporting the Mexican culture, you know, while making your ice cream flavors, you know, or like you're giving back, you're creating economy for it, which it kind of leads me to my next question. I know you partner with lots of different nonprofits and um, you kind of mentioned the Ren Center earlier. Can you just talk about that a little bit more?
1: Yeah. So this is like a huge part of my journey. Um, and you introduced me to the Renaissance center. Um, this is a local nonprofit and you can add to whatever I'm saying here. Cause we're both familiar with them. Um, so they're a local nonprofit, um, uh, mostly based in the city, but now they have different, um, chains in the, Chapters, East I
0: think is what Ch- they call it. Yeah. Around, like the Bay area.
1: Yeah, so they're um, a nonprofit organization who help entrepreneurs um, formalize their business, understand financing and marketing, and um, they also offer mentorships. So they've offered me a grant, um, which I obviously accepted, um, but uh, they're a really amazing nonprofit that both me and you have worked with. Um, I try to spread the word about them as much as possible because I took a extensive program with them the summer of 2020, uh, 2021, maybe I
0: think it was 2021. Cause you did it yeah. right in the fall then I did it.
1: Yeah.
0: Spring kind of
1: too. So, um, they taught me how to really become an entrepreneur. Um, I basically came with them and said like, Hey, I have this idea. This is what I've made. I had like five flavors that I had made and they were like, yeah, we're going to help you make this into a business. So from them, I, I got a business plan. Um, They helped me figure out licensing and what I need to do. They put me in con. I mean, all of their instructors are just, uh, they're just like some of the most amazing and educated humans on what it means to be an entrepreneur. Um, So I've worked with them. It's still an ongoing process working with them. If I ever make it rich, They're the first people I'm donating to.
0: Well, what's funny is I found out about them. Fun fact was I was at this beer, not garden, but like a beer brewery. And I've, I think I've shared this, like I've thought about an idea of opening an ice cream garden with all different really good ice cream makers coming together. And so I saw there's a beer concept of this. And when talking to the owner about it, she had said she had done the Renaissance Center to start her business because she was like a, not a good, great brewer, but really liked beer and so they kind of helped her with the grants. And long story short, now that her business is booming in multiple locations and really thriving and of course, I can't think of the name to give her a shout out right now. Um, is she don't she has a scholarship now. Like once she made back and paid off her loans and paid off of all her debt, she now has like a scholarship to help make these grants available through the rent center, which is so cool.
1: Yeah, that's all. I mean, and that is like really what I want to do because before them, no one, I should mention, yeah, no one in my family is an entrepreneur. Um, all of my family is very much like blue collar union workers, um, just like the, the very standard, like middle-class American um, families. So I, I mean, and I should also mention this, that like, before the pandemic, it was the first time in my life that I was working a nine to five Monday through Friday salary job um, that I was in for two years. And then I was let go due to the pandemic. And when I told my parents that I was going to become an entrepreneur, and now I'm a full time I'm full-time owner of Dela Creamery um, and I'm not going back to my job. It, it was quite the stir for me to tell my family that I wasn't going back to this so-called dream of a nine to five Monday, Friday salary job. Like that was like, are you serious? Like, you know, and, and this is what sucks is the first question. was always like, what are you going to do about health insurance? Like, oh my God, Can't like I, I hate it here because why don't we have health insurance? I can't be an entrepreneur because I don't have health insurance. Like, you know, it's before just a 401k. How are you going
0: to have a 401k? Or? Yeah.
1: the four hundred one like, it's just all these things that was like, you know, I was, I was very much, I don't want to say not supported, but I was, I had to really take the steps into entrepreneurship, on in, into my own hands. And if it wasn't for my fellow entrepreneurs at the run center and folks like you, like, I don't know if I would have been able to do it because there's so many people telling me like, what about these things that I agree are important, but overall, like I, that wasn't my life anymore.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, I can't share for your experience per se, but also like as someone who's really creative or someone who's really great, like cook, like all these skills, like you're not using in your nine to five job, like, like, you know, like all your like, God given not to be religious per se, but like your natural skills, you weren't using in your job. And it wasn't necessarily leveraging the full Stephanie Della Cruz, right? Like it was using a part of you that's really good at hospitality and like so finding solutions, but there's just so much more to you that's out there that being an entrepreneur kind of lets you flex and grow and do. Um,
1: yeah. And, and, Thank you for bringing that up because my number one thing about being an entrepreneur now, my favorite thing about Della Creamery is my creative ability. Um, I'm a creative person. I like making things. Um, So Della Creamery, I love when people ask me about my flavors and they say, how did you come up with that? Because in my head, it's just like second nature. These things just they just happen in my head, which I'm very lucky to say that. Um, I know that that is not how it works for a lot of people, but my biggest setback in my nine to five was that I didn't have creative freedom. I wasn't able to take things the way I wanted to. It was just this is what it is, and this is what you can offer, and you know that was really a disappointment because exactly like I know that there's a lot more in my brain. Um, that I'm able to offer and being creative now has it's really made me so much more happy. And that's kind of if I could kind of go into present time now, that's kind of my biggest struggle currently with Della Creamery is that I have so many flavors that I already have to offer people, but I have these core flavors that I'm offering right now And my business is still growing that there's so many people, first time customers that I'm meeting who have never had these flavors before flavors that I've been making since 2020 and I'm ready to kind of move on from them, but I'm still having so many first time customers that need to try these before I, you know, kind of rotate into new flavors that I've been working on.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, I want to kind of take a step back to you saying like back to entrepreneurship for a second, um, how you know you're not working right? like you don't have a nine to five with benefits, but you did figure out how to make it work, right? Like for anyone out there's listening and thinking about it, like okay, as a non-married woman, you know, like you were able to figure out how to get insurance or how to financially stay afloat or, you don't have, you know, necessarily like kids in the family. Like it's something you and I talk about a lot with entrepreneurship, having that flexibility or having that ability to take a chance or um, bills, to, you know, the cost. So we just want to take a second about not necessarily, I mean, you, you said it actually earlier before this podcast. So if you don't mind, I'll quote you. It's like, it's really a privilege to be able to be an entrepreneur sometimes.
1: Yes, exactly. And that's something that I cannot stress enough is that, I'm extremely privileged to be in the position to be building Della Creamery, to be on this journey because before, a few years before the pandemic, I got a promotion within my job. And I told myself, I mean, let's start by saying that I, I've never made a lot of money. Um, I've always been considered like the lower or income earners of the Bay Area. Um, anyone who works in hotels can tell you we don't make a lot of money doing that. Um, you basically make what's given to like survive. I mean, it's it's not good money. Um, so I I received a promotion, I think in 2019. And I had told myself, when I received that promotion, I was living like fine. I was living fine before I got this promotion. So I started saving my money when I got my promotion, all of 2019 and then into 2020, I opened like my first savings account. I was able to open a savings account and I started putting money into this bank account and I just saved it for for the future me. And like that future me is me now. Um, I started saving money because I was living fine. Um, And I was able to put this money away for like the day I might need it. And then I got let go and I started receiving unemployment. And when I was receiving unemployment and, you know, California for those who don't know was like giving us extra money during the pandemic. And I was living off of the bare minimum during the pandemic because I wasn't able to go and do anything. I wasn't able to do like you know my my money was just going towards rent and groceries, and that was pretty much it. You know, we, we weren't doing anything else. So I added more savings into that account, and yeah, I don't have a family. I have my partner, and we are able to split our rent and. He was also getting unemployment and then he eventually went back to work and he's still working. Um, so for me, like I I do want to say, like, I'm privileged because people, there's other people in this world who aren't getting that promotion, who aren't having money to put into savings, who are living paycheck to paycheck. And I know that because. That was me before this promotion in 2019. I was scraping by every week, like waiting for that check to come in because I didn't have the money to put into savings. So I know that like not everyone can do what I'm doing. I wouldn't have been able to do this had I not been given these opportunities to tell my future self you can continue this goal, this dream. And it's, it's not, it's not everyone that can do this. And I hope that, I hope that one day I can help the people who can't do this into a path that makes it easier for them.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, when you said you made her try to ice cream eight times, that shows a level of perseverance. I think maybe like most people would try two times, maybe three. (laughs) And so, you know, it just all comes down to like the perseverance you have, you have to have as an entrepreneur, the believing in yourself, the not giving up the dream and like vision and everything like that. So, I mean, I think, I think you've shared, like you are doing really, you know, you've had really great weekends. Hopefully it's going to get hotter here in the
1: Bay. And so, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, if we can stop for a second, it's freaking cold here, like almost all the time. Um, ice cream is granted, we're not the East Coast, we're not getting the snowstorms, etc. But like our weekends are like mostly not a good time for ice cream.
0: <laughs> Even yeah, during or, like right now, it's cold. Yeah, it's funny. I'm an East Coaster. So like ice cream season is like June through like I don't know, September. September every night after like mm-hmm. dinner, you go out, you get ice cream, you walk to a local ice cream shop. Like I've talked about that before, but in the Bay, it's not as much of a thing, ice cream, because mm-hmm. it's either too cold, or it's like almost not nice all the time, but it's always like not hot enough, but not yeah, enough. It's a little bit of a wonky weather here. Um, but I think, you know, one thing that you you haven't really, you have mentioned about being a Mexican um, heritage and being a woman of color and being an entrepreneurship in general, like, how has that either helped you, I guess, on this journey? You know, or or has it hurt you? Like, just really curious if you could share with people what that's like.
1: Yeah. So, and that's that's something too. Um, that for our podcast, you know, we've really strived to host um, people of color to be as inclusive as possible with our guests on our podcast. And for me, I've really really kind of searched to find other um, Latin folks to be on our show and it's been really hard and like I'm not even gonna front like one night I actually cried over this because I said why is there no one like me doing this I just want to have someone on our show that's like me And I can't, find. I still can't find anyone. And like.
0: Woman in New York, right? What's her name?
1: Fanny Gerson. Yeah, she's my number one. Like I want to meet her. And, you know, for the record, I actually found out about her stuff after I I went to New York right before COVID, like the week before the world shut down. I was in New York City. I didn't know about her ice cream. And then I started making ice cream. And then I started buying ice cream cookbooks. And hers was the first one I bought um, after I had already done Orchard the Ice Cream for eight times. If I had her cookbook, it wouldn't have been eight times, by the way, but (laughs) I'm glad I learned how to make my own. So it was, uh, I want to meet her. I want to thank her um, because she has really pushed barriers um, for what it, what Mexican ice cream is and what it means to be uh, a Mexican woman in this industry as a professional. So if anyone knows any other um, Mexican, Latin uh, folks that are makers, I would love to meet them. Um, it's it, They're just few and far between, um, especially when it comes to craft artisan ice cream I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the same category as our guest, you know.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's really hard to. F- because they're probably like we said, there's so many hardships, so much you have to overcome. There's so there aren't as many opportunities. You grow up in a certain class of that you have to work your way out of versus being born into privilege, where you know of course your your parents are entrepreneurs, so then you become an entrepreneur, things like that, and like our ability to have you wanting to be an entrepreneur and your parents being able to support you, you know, or front you the money, right? Like you were saying, how you got a grant. Um, It's just really, you know, probably a lot harder. And as we do try and find guests, we're trying to find more women of color, people of color to share their stories as they also, their flavors are so, usually part of their heritage too, which I think is really interesting and unique. I mean, like every guest, you're going to get the same question we ask. Are you a big spoon or a little spoon?
1: Okay, so it depends. Okay, in in the actual um, cuddling I switch. Um, I like to, I actually like to start as the big spoon and then to put me to sleep, I am a little spoon. But when I eat my food, (laughs) I use Asian spoons a lot to eat soup, which are real big spoons. Wow. I use little spoons to eat ice cream and I use big, I guess, American style spoons when I eat like cereal.
0: Wow, you have a lot of spoon choices.
1: I feel like I only have two. (laughs) Yes, I have quite a bit of spoons. So depending on the food, um, depending on the situation, my spoon size changes. So I am a (laughs) flexible changing spoon. (laughs) I think that's the way you have to be nowadays. Roll with it. And where
0: can everyone find you?
1: Yes. So um, I just redid my website. So please go see it. Uh, delacreamery.com you can find my pop-up calendar there you can read a little bit about me you can find a link for let's spoon podcast and uh, you can read more about my flavors on delacreamery.com but i'm super active on instagram so you can find me at delacreamery and i also have a twitter and a tiktok that i don't go on often but they do exist (laughs) Well, if you
0: can crack the code on TikTok, let me know. I'm too old. I can't, I can't figure it out. Um, cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on our show today, Steph.
1: Yeah, I'm thank you. Here. This is always an honor.
0: Thanks for spooning with us today and digging into the stories behind the flavors. It's time to freeze, but for more ice cream content and knowledge, follow us on Instagram, let's spoon underscore podcast, only one s. And follow your host myself, Brooke, Sundays.mom and Stephanie Della Cremery we hope to have ice cream with you soon